subtle skills, big results. Welcome to the Ninja Selling Podcast. Welcome back to the Ninja Selling Podcast. Matt and Garrett are here again, and we are coming to you from a very special place, Albuquerque, New Mexico, where we just had the pleasure of spending some time in house with a wonderful real estate company. Matt, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Yes, that's right. This is not good morning anymore for us. This is great. In fact, it's almost good evening. We're actually sitting in the same room together, not 3,000 miles apart. I can see you. Well, I can always see you, but I can, if I wanted to touch you right now. Now it's awkward. I could touch you. (laughs) (laughs) That is awkward. But yeah, what a great time in Taos, man. Yeah, we had an incredible time. Amazing group of people, amazing company. So shout out to the Wells Group. They were doing their company retreat in Taos. Wells Group is in Durango. I've worked with them over the years. I just haven't talked to them or worked with them in a long time. So it's really great to be back. Yeah, that was fun. It was great to be invited in and meet all of them and share some some really good stuff with them. It was it was a great experience for us. And hopefully, at least they said it was a great experience for them as well. Hopefully they carry that sentiment when they all wake up tomorrow and they had to say that though. You know. <laughs> we're we're in person. I can't say anything else. What do you do? Not gonna be rude. No. But uh, no, we had a great time. And that leads us into what we wanted to talk about today. But before we do that, I need to tell you, if you're interested in learning more or staying in flow with all the people that are involved with the podcast and listeners, please go check out the Facebook group, The Ninja Selling Podcast. And you can check out all the people in there. You can submit questions, ideas, thoughts, and uh, everybody will support you and give you great feedback. Please, Please support everybody and give everybody great feedback. You've been doing it very consistently so far. We want to continue that trend. It's been great. It's been awesome. It's a special place, that Facebook community. really is. Well, what leads us to right now is we had an idea for a podcast that we were wanting to do, and this kind of brought it more kind of home, which is like how different marketplaces are right now and how we're seeing these pockets start to come up around different areas of the United States where that the voice of the marketplace is really starting to change. There are some people seeing really drastically changing marketplaces, and there's some that are still seeing upticks and really positive trends happening in their marketplace. And uh, Durango, and you know, we weren't in Durango and Taos, but you know, their marketplace in Durango was one of those ones that you know, when we asked them about appreciation they've been having, they're like, "Well, we've had 19 percent appreciation in the last year here." And sharing with us like the inventory levels and all that. And they're like, well, we're starting to see that, but not quite so much yet. And it really made me kind of step back and say like, wow, look at how different this situation is to a lot of the you know markets we're talking to every day, Matt. People always ask on coaching calls like, oh, can you tell me a little bit about what's going on in this marketplace and that marketplace? And it's becoming very clear, whereas the past couple of years has kind of been like, all right, it's it's pretty much the same everywhere. You're fighting for properties. There were some exceptions in some of the metropolitan areas with condos and stuff, which is still there. But now it's very, very clear that there are different markets everywhere. And I think this is why it's important to know your local market extremely well, because what you're seeing on the headlines, what your clients are seeing on the headlines, the newspapers, television shows will not translate to the local market. It just won't. And this is your time to shine as a trusted advisor to understand your local market. And at the same time, don't get caught up in the headlines, read the data and understand it is different in different places. 
Well, it's fun. We we started off the presentation with a slide showing all of the different headlines around the United States and what's being said. And, and it was funny to watch some of their faces kind of squish up. And it was not like because they couldn't see the slide. It was because they literally were trying to make sense of it. And the more we kind of asked some different questions, I was realizing is that they weren't seeing that. They knew the headlines. They understood the headlines, but they weren't quite seeing it yet in their marketplace and kind of trying to put two and two together. And I think that that's what we're starting to see, Matt, is that like these different paths, all these different areas from Seattle to Miami to DC, and then all these little areas in between, the narrative is so different right now, which is actually, I'll tell you from a coaching perspective, is really fun because. I mean, it's great to know exactly what's happening in every market across the United States because it's exactly the same thing that was happening the day before that and the month before that, and everybody's seeing the same thing. But man, it can be boring. (laughs) I completely agree with that. And it's fun to see all these different things. And and I'm pulling up a report right here. Garrett's probably like, why are you pulling out your phone right now? I thought you were checking your voicemail or... Yeah, just checking some text messages while we're recording this. But NER just released their um, September Realtors Confidence Index surveys at the time of us recording this. It was literally released just a couple of days ago. And what was interesting is that percentage of buyers who purchased in small town, rural, or resort areas or suburban areas, 90%. Now, to give some context to that, the prior month was 87%. And September 2021 was 85%. So, okay, it was still high all these times, but it seems to be growing. And so it actually kind of didn't surprise me as much after looking at that report, hearing that Durango was not experiencing some of the stuff that maybe I'm hearing in DC or Seattle and certain parts of Seattle anyway, we should say, where they're like, oh my goodness, it's getting kind of tight. It's like, well, that kind of makes sense if 90%, that's a lot. It's a lot. I got to look at some, maybe some of the data behind this, but like, that's crazy to me. I read through it when you sent it to me today, this morning early, and I was kind of trying to go through it, trying to decipher what we were talking about, what we were looking at there. And that's why I responded back to you that I want to see October's numbers. I'll be very curious to see October's numbers, see how fast this shift is happening for a lot of people. Because I feel like we're right in the middle of this shift, where if you were pulling September's numbers may still be a little bit early on what we're kind of looking at for the data, but that is... And now this is national stuff, right? Because they even like talk about, we've been saying, okay, contingencies are coming back, all that kind of stuff. Well, looking at their numbers nationwide from September to September, it's like about the same. Okay. It's coming back a little bit. They said 19% of buyers this past month waived appraisal and waived inspection. Whereas a year ago, it was... 23% waived appraisal, 21% waived inspection. So I think when you take a look at that and people be like, well, that's crazy. Because last year, everybody was waiving all of that stuff. And it, it depends what was going on in your local market. Every market is so different. You cannot rely on that stuff. And so there's some research you need to be doing in your own towns, neighborhoods to understand so that you can paint a better picture and that may not be a more positive picture in some cases for buyers or sellers, but to understand a more complete and cohesive picture for that local market. Well, and I think the important part, Matt, is is, is that, no, it's not, you're not trying to paint a more positive picture. What you're trying to paint is a picture. Whatever that picture needs to look like is your way that you're going to be able to sit down with your buyer and seller and say, okay, here's what we're up against. Here's what this looks like. And I have a plan on how we're going to navigate through this. 
And I think sometimes we're always looking for a way that we can turn it into you know rose-colored glass and be like, oh, here's all the positive sides to it. And you know, if you really need to go somewhere and you don't have all the positivity to show, you're now looking and saying, okay, but we now still need to navigate through this. We still got to get to the closing table. I still got to get to that job. I still have to get to whatever it might be. And this is about, again, listening to the headlines, listening to what's going on in the news, listening to, and as we talked about, Matt, it's good because we know what the consumers are also looking at also. So they're looking at all this stuff and now we're pulling it back and saying, we need to pull all the data, really understand what's going on and be able to educate them. Cause it's even different by price range in certain marketplaces. Like it's not just your market. Like there are some markets inside your main market. Yeah. And we even talked about how realtors can facilitate some of the healthy sides of a healthy market by creating opportunities with making sure our listings are really shining, that we have really clear buyers to, you have the market and then there's, well, how come that realtor seems to be doing things? It's almost like they have a different market that they're operating in. And I know that's a little bit more like, huh? But that's part of this too, I think. It's different in different places nationwide. It's different in different places locally. It's also different in different places from realtor to realtor based on their mindset and the people they work with, the price ranges, maybe where their buyers are sourced from, right? If you have a lot of people who are moving in from out of town, like if jobs are coming in, yeah, there's always going to be buyers coming in then as well because they need to find a place to live. If you live in a resort area and people with money want to buy the, continue buying those second homes or trade you know, from this second home to that second home, they're still able to do that, particularly if they're not impacted by interest rates because they're buying in cash. Those are all factors that can change your local marketplace and make it a whole different picture. Conversely too, Garrett, if you're a big first-time homebuyer marketplace, you might be experiencing something a bit different because interest rates impact first-time homebuyers the most, right? You'd mentioned realtor to realtor. You could watch a realtor actually having more activity going on than another one. And there's many, many, many factors that can cause that to happen. But you know, it's interesting because like people like to herd together. You may find a realtor that's going through, through a certain life change in their life right now that's forcing them to be around a lot of people going through that same life change. Well, all of a sudden, they're helping people through a lot of those life changes right now. You can also find someone that has a database in a certain price range or market where there's a lot of movement going on. And that tends to be happening. Maybe it's an upper price range market that's still really moving pretty hot while the lower price range might be sitting right now. Uh, it might be a marketplace where there's more cash buyers coming through and maybe the interest rates aren't quite affecting people quite so much. So you have this one realtor that's doing the higher price points that are more cash deals, which we're seeing. And all of a sudden it's like, man, they're still cranking through deals. What am I doing different here? And it's there's so many moving factors and parts, which again, makes this a really interesting marketplace right now if you choose to take some time to figure it out. Well, so what are some things that a realtor should look for to help understand why their market is different? Because you can know certain things, but then understanding the why maybe and being able to explain it to the clients helps a lot because you have a client who's like, well, you know, Garrett, it's great that you're telling me all these things, but this is what I'm seeing. Now, there's a whole, okay, being a trusted advisor, building relationships, but you get that referral that comes in. They don't really know you. Like, this is what I'm seeing. This is what I see John doing with his house down the street. Now you're telling me it's different than what I'm seeing. How are you going to tell me that? 
I think, again, this goes back to showing is better than telling. So it's not about me sitting here and saying, well, let me tell you about this and that and this. It's more so going and gathering information so you can sit down with a client and really show them what they're up against and what's happening in the marketplace. Again, I go back to, we've, we did a whole podcast on this, I think a while back, but was on absorption rates. And you can break absorption rates down by price range. And it's amazing when all of a sudden you'll find a certain price range that's moving. And then that will allow you to go and find more data about why is that one moving compared to other ones in the marketplace. Now, the example I've always used is uh, when I was in Grants Pass, everything was a strong buyer's market except for six to 700,000. Like it flipped over to a strong seller's market. It took me a long time of asking questions and figuring out why and, and what it came down to is six to 700,000 was riverfront properties. And we had a lot of people moving up from out of state buying riverfront properties. So they were cleaning out that inventory all the time. They were pulling money up from California, coming in, buying these properties. And it was a very different narrative that I had to have with those people and those price points compared to other people in the marketplace. And you could easily look down the street and go, why did they sell so fast when we're sitting here and not able to move? Well, they're a riverfront home and they're in that right price point that's making things clean out here. So that, that's where I would go to first. Yeah. I like absorption rates looking at that and then and but then the price ranges. I think that's important. And the other thing I would look at is location trends and location features. One thing I'm seeing a lot with the clients I work with is it's not always just the location in terms of okay, how can they commute to this and that, particularly as there's more remote work or kind of part-time remote work where people might be in the office three days a week, but two days at home. The commute is not as important, although that could that could change. That could come back. And there's always jobs where the commute just still is there. Manufacturing jobs. You can't, you can't do your manufacturing job from home until we have, I guess, remote robots that you do the manufacturing. Don't, don't from. even go so, there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm seeing from a lot of people is location features, access locations. Like, can I get to the riverfront? Can I get to the lake? Can I get to the beach? Can I get to downtown easily? Can I walk here? Can I walk there? And things that have that higher, I mean, I guess you would call it a higher category location, like more desirable location, but not location like, ooh, that city or that part of town's higher desirable. It's like this spot inside this neighborhood seems to be more attractive than that spot. Having green space next to these properties seems to be more attractive than not having that. I mean, these are small factors. Like, well, of course, those things are more attractive, but it's becoming more prominent as inventory climbs a little bit. Those things become like, oh man, if we got this, like, that's a little market inside an actual market. That's the way I look at that. Well, so I think there's two things. Do you take like walkability and outdoor spaces, or things like during the last two years became really, really, really important? And it seems like it still is. If ninety percent is suburban, rural, like not city, I guess. They should have just wrote not city, by the way, because they had everything but urban. So you get like those two factors that are still important. And I think, you know, during the last couple of years, because of the frenzy, because of the craziness, there were things that four years down the road or in the past were trouble to sell. Like there was a while there, it was like, oh, it's on railroad tracks. Doesn't matter. Put on the market. Oh, it backs to a freeway. Uh, doesn't matter. Get on the market. Things are going to sell. And I think sometimes we forget the factors of some of these homes of like how much it can impact the actual sale of that house. And I've had a handful of people that I work with that 
they'll tell me about a listing that they put on. I don't understand why it's not selling. And again, I only have to ask a couple of questions and they're like, oh, it backs to this or it has this. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> we left that out of the equation up front. And so I think all these little factors about these properties, as you were saying, Matt, that kind of like are the, I don't know, I forget how you said it. It sounded good. It was really smooth the way it came out. Oh, I don't know. I didn't think it was that smooth, but like the priority locations, the more desirable, like micro locations. Micro locations. We'll go with that. That that just kind of makes some of these areas that they look like for like from a distance, but really when you start to pay attention to them, they're not. And we, I think we really need to start paying attention to those things with these properties. Well, so one thing maybe we can look at to understand, well, what makes my market, and I'm talking more of like, okay, your broader market, your town, these neighborhoods, what makes them different than the other markets? Because we can see the data of why the markets are different. The absorption rate here is different than the absorption rate there. Great. This gets back to the value positioning, right? Look at the five points of value of a property and say, okay, which one seems to be the priority for buyers? We can look at price. That's one of them. That's always adjustable. We can look at condition of homes because sometimes you might find in a marketplace, people are looking for homes that they can upgrade versus homes that are move-in ready, new construction. You have features and amenities of the property and the community it might be in. You have the size, which is in another interesting point. And then you have the location. So if you look at all those five, look at those and see, hey, of these five factors, which seems to be very consistent in all the cream puffs, all the ones that are selling quickly. And that becomes a factor of like, ooh, cool. If I know that is something that boosts our value significantly, I can look at that and say, bring that to the sellers and say, hey, this is how we can maybe make our property more attractive because this key factor is what's moving our market differently than other markets where maybe in this town over here, it's price that's driving it. That's a hard analysis to do. I'm not saying you're going to be able to just like pull up a, a spreadsheet and figure that out, but you can maybe... If you analyze a few properties a week, you might be able to find the trends. And I think you can only do that on the ground. You can't do that sitting at your computer and running numbers and looking at stuff. like That's the kind of stuff you have to go out. You have to put yourself in properties. You have to talk to other agents in your office. You have to take notes on these properties that are selling, that aren't selling, and really get into the groove of the kind of the pulse of that marketplace, which here's the thing. It is a lot of work. It is a lot of time. It will make you a better realtor to your clients. It will make you have somebody that has better results than other realtors. And so I look at it and say, like, oh, why not? Like, if you're not selling a whole bunch of properties right now yourself, you might as well go lean into it and figure out some of these marketplaces. And I mean, I've done this, Matt. Anybody who ever comes to me and says, I want to move into an upper price range, the first thing I do is say, Go walk through those homes, take notes on them, figure out which ones are selling, why they're selling. And nine times out of 10, if they take me up on that very quickly, all of a sudden their price range starts to come up. This is no different, except you're not trying to figure out price range. You're trying to figure out what is the hot stuff that's making these problems in our marketplace move right now. Oh man, I, I will say that moving up price point, that's the number one reason why I was able to sell expensive homes was because I spent a lot of time going through expensive homes and understanding them and all that. Now, pulling out macro, Garrett, too, I think it's different in different places is important to understand too, because now when you have people relocating, you know, for the past couple of years, it's kind of like, I know what I'm getting myself into. But now you also have, okay, here's what's going on in my market. And you may have somebody coming from a market that's totally different. They may not know. You may think, oh, they know what it's like because you are comfortable with what's going on there, but they may be experiencing something different. And so we also have to make sure we're asking questions of the people who are moving from our marketplace 
and moving to our marketplace because it, it works both ways and make sure that, okay, what do they not know so we can help get them educated and get them clear? Because otherwise, you know, you can end up with some really challenging emotions that people will be dealing with. You can probably still get deals done, but happy people always make deals better. Well, I think there's two things that you have to approach it with. Is one is you need to figure out where they're coming from and what their experience has been before you ever go into, let me tell you about our marketplace. So you got to ask lots of questions about what are you experiencing, where you're coming from, do as much research as you possibly can. If you can even do it outside of talking to them, it'd probably be really good for you to know. If they're moving and they have a realtor somewhere else, call them. be like, who's your realtor? Let me call them. Or if you referred them to somebody, talk to that realtor. It's one of the best ways to get educated. Because as much as you can figure out and diagnose before they're sitting there with you or while they're sitting there with you, now you can sit here and say, okay, let me show you how this marketplace is acting right now. And we can look at how it's different from where you just came from. You have to take that approach on it, but it's very easy. You know, we talk about Ninja, the 10-step buyer's process, Sweet 16 listing presentation. When you're saying, do you understand how the marketplace works here? It's very easy to sidestep that and just be like, let me tell you how the marketplace works here. You're not going to get the same results. No, you got to ask the questions. And again, we're trying to get it so somebody can make a decision so that they can move forward. Anytime that they have a picture of what they think the market is, to what they're actually dealing with. You have somebody who's going to get confused. And when you get them confused, you now have somebody who's just going to put the brakes on and sit back and not move forward. Yeah. So that's kind of the big takeaway, I think, from this topic, Garrett, is is one, know that it's different in different places. We're all kind of now trapped in our little bubbles and it's different everywhere now. The, the national headlines and things. And I think this is why a lot of people are like, wait, this doesn't make sense because we now are averaging out all of these different marketplaces, which almost makes it so that what they're talking about in the headlines, that marketplace doesn't even exist anywhere because it's just an average of everything that's there. And so dive into your local stuff, understand it's different, ask the questions to make people clear, and you're going to level up your own game. And you're going to feel better about it too, because there will be less confusion in your own mind. And you can basically look at the headlines and be like, yeah, you guys can say what you want to say. I know what's going on here, which by the way, I'm not saying it's it's great everywhere. There are some places where you know maybe it's not so great. But if you know that, you're going to do good things. Still got to help people buy and sell homes. Doesn't matter if it's great or not. Like People still need your help. That's all you need to pay attention to. Yeah, no doubt. So any other bombshells you want to drop on this one, Gary? No, I'm going to save them for other podcast episodes. That's a good idea. Keep them guessing. Keep them guessing. Yeah. All right. So if you want to hear more bombshells, stay tuned in for our next episode because there probably will be something good that you can take away. But I want to say thank you to everybody for joining us. As always, this podcast community is absolutely incredible. We just actually finished, well, I shouldn't say we finished the five weeks of success. We finished kind of the promotion of that in, in the podcast group. And it was fun to see some people who were like, I did it. I did it. And people were like, I haven't started yet, but I'm going to start now or I'm on week two. And it's just fun seeing all that interaction inside the community. So if you haven't joined our Facebook community, facebook.com slash groups slash the ninja selling podcast, answer a few simple questions and we'll let you in there. And we're probably over 10,000, maybe, maybe not at the time of recording this, we're not over 10,000, but we're almost there which is a pretty cool milestone. Yeah, once we hit 10, then it's 100. It's, yeah, we're, just, we're not going to even talk about it until we hit 100. So appreciate y'all, and we'll see you on the next one. One last shout out to the Wells Group in Durango, Colorado. I want to say thank you. We got to say it while we were with you, but we're going to put it on the podcast now. So incredible company, incredible people. Thank you again. Until next time, everyone. Take care. 
If you enjoyed today's episode and would like more, visit us at the ninjasellingpodcast.com. There you will also find links for more information about ninja selling and coaching. Have an incredible day.